Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey buddy, what are you doing? Hello, brother. <laughs> So what's happening, my friend? Welcome to the show, everybody out there who's tuning in. Um, uh, we're 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 a day late, but we're not a dollar short. So not a not a dollar short. You can't be a dollar short if you don't have a dollar. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> so uh, have so you it? have you seen this guy that he's got a YouTube uh, channel where he's European and. Uh, I think Simon something, Simon, I have to look it up, but um, he goes to countries and like, hold on, wait, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> he, he goes to countries and he'll like, all right, how to spend, how to go to Saudi Arabia and not spend like, like be there for a week and not spend any money. I, I, I want to find out how do you go there for a week and live like a king. Of course, you couldn't live like a king because it's Saudi Arabia. I think there's only one king, and if you if you go there and try to be a king, you could be in some deep trouble. Well, but he he literally goes all over the world, and like yeah. the toughest one was it Singapore? I think it was Singapore, which I've been to Singapore. Yeah, but they have very strict rules about people being in their airport. Oh yeah, for extended amount of times, and yeah, him and a buddy were like. All right, we're going to go to this one sec. Like the airport's amazing, right? And what and you have to have a ticket, but they only had they had a they had a ticket for an extended amount of time. But yeah, it, it's crazy, dude. Because they're like, yeah, we're trying to stay here, or trying to get into like uh, American Airlines, like the Admirals Club, for free, right? You know, and getting free food. Everything that they have to do, they can't spend any money on. That's crazy. How how do you manage to do that in an airport? Okay, so one of the tricks, and and I'm not condoning this to any of our listeners. Hold on one second. Ah, yes. There we go. Much better. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna when I when I open mine, I'll, I'll do what the, one of my favorite I'm, I'm, podcasters does. But um, I'm I'm, in, I'm I'm indulging in in Finder. New England IPA made by Shipyard out of uh, out of Portland, Maine. Shipyard, it's, yeah, yes, yes, indeed. And it, it says that it is smooth, hazy, and juicy. <laughs> I so love it. The beer, love the beer, beer that, that I'm drinking, juicy, is, is a stout right okay. now, and it's from a yep. place called The Answer because beer is the answer, right? That's true. And the name of the beer is called Murder Bears. Murder bears. Wow. That is that seems appropriate for a stout. And you know what murder bears are? No. Ewoks. Oh yeah. So it's a little picture of an Ewok holding a spear. That's awesome. But they can't <laughs> but they can't use Ewok because Star Wars copyright, so they call it murder bears. Murder bears. Because <laughs> it, it goes it goes back to that video, the stormtrooper video, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the no, I know. Ewoks will fuck you up. It is uh, the the New England IPA is kind of an interesting sort of offshoot of the the whole IPA thing. Okay, hold on, wait. We'll get we can get there. Let's we'll, okay, okay. So, Go back, scratch that, rewind, get back to yeah. where we were. 
so airport Singapore. So all free these stuff. guys, yeah, they 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 do free stuff. But the 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 thing that I I was like, these guys have thought of things, like they they know their business. Well, so you got to if you're doing that, so what they would do was they'll they'll call a McDonald's, right? Okay, and say, hey, I was just there, or one guy will call and say, who's what's the manager's name? And they'll say, Kim. Okay, thanks, bye. And wait a couple hours and then call. Hey, I was just there. Um, and uh, can I speak to the manager? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I was just there and you guys, I, I, I ordered uh, three Big Macs and I only got one. You know, can I come back? Right. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure. And what's the manager's name? Kim. Okay, so then because they're so busy... Hey, I I got off the phone with Kim. You guys forgot to give me my two Big Mac number twos. And they're like, oh, we're sorry. And then just go get it. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work, but it's genius. Dude. I mean, if, if, if the goal is to be able to travel and spend no money, you know. But well, I would say, I mean, and that's, I mean, considering it's Singapore, I mean, I guess you're sort of rolling the dice there. Well, think of I how mean, many I, how many of the the posh places give out free samples. Well, that's true too. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that. Uh, for those who have never been to Singapore, it's an interesting place. Um, that's very, a, that's very, a great that's a great tourism poster. Singapore, an interesting. It's an place. interesting place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very clean, um, but they are very strict. I don't know if, I, I, I don't know how many folks out there listening to the show remember that kid who got caned yep. down there years ago. This was back when George Bush senior was president, I think. Um, and I think it was him or Clinton, one of the two, I think. And uh, maybe it wasn't that long ago. I can't remember, but the kid had, the kid had gotten busted by the authorities in Singapore, uh, vandalizing, he was spray painting stuff and the, you know, they exercise corporal punishment. And so they took this kid and caned his ass to teach him a lesson not to do it. Um, that would be a good, where are they now? (laughs) That is a good, yeah, no, that you're very, you're very right. I mean, where's that? What has he learned? That's a good follow up video yeah you know, like well what what did you learn after being caned i mean we know that it was 30 years ago but you know you um, know you know the you know the texas don't mess with texas well yeah it's don't fuck with singapore how about <laughs> yeah right right yeah yeah that's what i'm saying man because like no, they have tons of rules there yes um, and you know so they they sell shirts and coffee mugs of oh those yeah rules, you know i've got a I mean? i've got a i've got a shot glass i've got a shot glass somewhere in the house that has like all of like these little like you can't spit on the sidewalk. Uh, you have to flush uh, the toilet. Yeah, like uh, you're like you're not supposed to be able to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time or something. Yeah, don't like it's it's really crazy stuff. But I mean, that's hey, and everybody follows the rules because that's what keeps the city clean. Now, now, I mean, for those of the non-military, the non-initiated. Um, Normally, especially when you're coming from a ship, 
that you get a, an import brief the night you pull into port and they go over local customs and courtesies, things that are going to get you in, definitely things that are going to get you in trouble. Uh, local laws that we may not be familiar with, even, even sometimes depending on the different religions of the world, like appropriate dress and attire. And, yes. you know, most of the time you have, you know, the command master chief, which is the highest enlisted, the highest enlisted person on the ship uh, will be right there. When people are going off the ship, they're looking you up and down like, nope, oh, yeah. go change, go yep. change. Yep. No, I mean it's it's crazy. I remember I remember being there back in two thousand seven, and I I remember I remember going to a going to this bar. I mean, we walked around and everything, but we ended up going to this bar, and we're having beers, whatever. And then these like these women show up, and we're talking to them, whatever. And it turns out that they are members of a they were members of a female rugby team. And I'm gonna tell you something, dude. We made the foolish decision to engage them in drinking games. It was not pretty. It was not pretty. You know what? A, you know what a um, uh, what is? You know what a boat race is? No. When you're drinking, when you're drinking beer, no. Uh, no. A, a boat race. This, this, because these girls were from like the U.S., Australia. You know, it was like an international thing. And um, this one chick is like, she's this Aussie, and she's like, "We'll challenge you to a boat race." We're like, what the hell is that? Well, she proceeds to tell us that they're going to take four of them and four of us. You sit across the table from each other and everybody has a beer in front of them. And you decide, like, whoever's going first and then, you know, say it's going from uh, one end of the table to the other end. The goal is, is who can get through all four people drinking their beer because you have to drink it sequentially. Like if you're Whoa. sitting to my, I can't if I can't start drinking my beer till you're done with yours, and so forth and so on. So you want to sort of put like your anchor man at the end, you know. You want your anchor man to be like the one who can just down an entire beer in like one gulp. And dude, they crushed us. <laughs> they, they crushed us. These women were just like ridiculous beer consuming beasts. Oh yeah, you do not mess with the Aussies because I remember. <laughs> going to Australia and there was a hen party. Have you ever heard of a hen party? No. That is the terminology in the Queen's English for a bachelorette party, right? Ah, okay. So they're like sailors and it's like, well, come with us, you know, on our hen party. And it's basically, we're doing a bar hop. Right. Well, I was like, okay, well, we were all drinking Guinness. Dude, 10 pints of Guinness. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't, I say no more. That sounds painful, dude. That yeah. just sounds painful. Ugh. No. I mean, yeah. The funny, the funny thing to top this whole situation off, though, was that this, um, this American, this female who was part of the team, 
come to find out, realized later because somebody told me somebody was hanging out there that this that this chick was was with NCIS. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that would have been nice to know. Like, I don't know. It was really, really weird. It was like, okay, like, but she didn't want anybody to know, you know, because she didn't want anybody to be freaked out, you know, that somehow. I remember some dude that was with us. This guy who was this guy who was part of our unit. He got all pissed. You know, he's like, he, he, it's what being in the band and being a Marine, it's one of those things where you have certain people who get really sensitive about the fact that you have these people who are like, oh, you're just, you know, oh, you're in the band. Like, oh, you're not a real Marine. You're in the band. And some people can let that stuff just roll off their back. And then some people, man, like my friend I'm talking about here, yeah. holy mackerel, dude, he just could not contain his fury. At, at someone saying something like, and I'm just like, I ended up, I ended up making him leave because I was in charge of all these guys. I was like, dude, you need, you're leaving now. Get out. Like we're, we're all here having a good time. And I'm not about to have you like pick a fight with somebody in here, you know, because your pride's hurt or something. That's just, we're in Singapore, dude. Yeah. We're in Singapore. I think he actually ended up walking outside and like Ralphed all over the sidewalk, which probably would have gotten us all arrested and beaten with canes, you know? Yeah, but yeah, no, crazy, crazy city, man, crazy city. So yeah, how was the weekend? Uh, a little eventful because on my way home from work on Friday, I I get asked if I'm on my way home and how soon will I be there, and I'm like, why? It's like because I'm in contractions. It's go time. (laughs) Strap in, JB. It's time to ride. It's that. (laughs) You know what it is? It's that 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 sound on the roller coaster. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep, yep. You're going all the way to the top. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But all right. Uh, No, false labor. Ah, I love that. That's always good. That's a fun thing. And I'm like, was it Braxton Hicks? He's like, no, it's contractions. But, you know, when they're like 30 minutes apart, you know. Right. Yeah. So, but but it's been going on now for several days. You know, we're here we are Tuesday. Um, so it's like, okay, like, all right, well. Yeah. Let's just say cold. my night bag, my, my to-go night bag is next to the to go night bag of, of my wife so oh yeah yeah no you had i mean that's the thing man you're at that point you got to be ready to snap you got to be ready to snap into action yep on the on the on the bedroom on the the bathroom in the bedroom in our master bedroom i have the the night bag ready to go to put in my to-go bag i've got a couple of waters chargers extra yeah. battery uh change of clothes you know, uh, yeah, dude. I mean, that's it. You got to have, you you know, I mean, when you get to that point, neck pillow. Yes. Although I, I, I really, you talking about that donut shaped thing? Half donut. Yeah. 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 I still haven't figured that thing out. What? I've tried, I've tried using them before. And you know what people, you know, you, I, I guarantee you, the the preferred you, people normally just wear it with the open side front. Yeah, the open side should be in the back. 
I've thought about that. I've wondered that because like, you got to put you got to play because you can like, the, your your neck can relax and you yes you're going forward and it's something to lean on when you're forward. Right. When yeah, you, so, instead so, of so, to the side. Well, that's the thing that I've like. I've tried it. That's like I've got this thing behind my neck, and it's pushing my head down. And I'm like, "This is this thing honestly supposed to be?" Because I don't think you ever see anybody wearing it like with the opening to the back of their neck. You know what I mean? It's like I think everybody's always wearing it like it's a collar. Nope, it should be to the back instead of instead of wearing it like it's a giant double chin. Yeah, yeah. I I remember being. I remember when I was on recruiting duty and I was on an airplane flying back from like ben, like from it's like Pittsburgh or something back to Long Island. Oh my god, dude, this guy I ended up on the plane next to was that big that he literally just sat there and could just could just like move his head forward like a half an inch, like drop his chin like a half an inch and it was literally resting on his chest. Jesus. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the whole time I'm just sitting there next to him and he's like <laughs> oh my god! Get me out of here! Get me out of this place! This is my nightmare. <laughs> Telling you, man. Airplanes. Gosh, yeah. I wonder when the next time is I'll get on one of those. Weird. Well, I have a free ticket till December of 2021. So, well, there you go. Hopefully, no, just, you... just because I I had previous uh, travel scheduled. Right. And so that then... got that got canked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I've heard that some of the airlines are opening up, but it's going to be one of these like limited freaking things or whatever. Like only so many passengers, you mandatory have to wear a mask and all of that stuff. So, so, so you know, I, I saw on all the news feeds and stuff, Carl Reiner. Yes. The passed actor away. passed away. Today. 90, 98. And, and, you know, everyone remembers him, Dick Van Dyke show and, yep. uh, you know, awesome writer you know worked yep. with mel brooks i enjoyed him in all the oceans the remakes of oceans 11 12 and 13. oh he was incredible he yeah. was incredible he's the ella fitzgerald yes as the code name would be so right it and we were talking about it at work and i was like you know what that's a great game and and i've played it before it's called dead or alive so i'm gonna i'm oh, gonna test the, the factotum the factotum, okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to throw out some softballs. And you tell me if you think they're, they're dead or alive. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. So the actor is John Aston. I don't know who that is. I, I'm, I'm going to give you, he's, he played Gomez Adams in the Adams family. From 1964 to 1966, dead or alive? Dead. I'm just, I'm shooting in the dark, dude. I I have no idea. Well, dude. and that's why I'm giving you dates so to kind of give you a little. Well, bit yeah. I mean, point. I'm assuming because I mean, obviously that was a long time ago. So yeah, I'll say, right. Yeah. Alive. Really? Still alive. How old is he? Uh, he was born in 1930. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, All right. yeah. Still still alive. All right, here we yep. go. Dick Van Dyke. Born in 1925. Dead or alive? Dick Van Dyke. 1925. 
Almost a hundred years old, dude. He'll be a hundred in twenty twenty five. So he's alive. I don't know. Damn it! I gave that one away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. You made that one easy on me. We stuck again. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> and I would have got it too. If it wasn't for those damn kids. Those damn kids. Those meddling kids. Ed Asner. Ed Asner. Oh. Dead or alive. Born was in he, ni- he, 1929. Was he, on, was he on Newhart? Mary Tyler Moore show. Mary Tyler Moore, that's right. Um, dead. Alive. Really? Yeah. Alive. Still alive. Ed Asner still kicking it. How about this one? Comedian Jackie Mason. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know the name. I I can't even remember if I've actually ever seen any of the material. Uh, Jackie Mason. Born born in 1928. Alive. Alive! Yeah, all right. All right. right. You keep asking me these like super old people, and now I keep saying, think they're dead. All right, now this is this, alive. This next famous person was born in 1925. You may know her from shows. Uh, oh, is this the chick from Murder She Wrote? God damn it, Angela Lindsay. Yes, was it really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Is she dead or alive? Oh my gosh, she's got to be alive. She's alive. She is alive. Dude, how crazy is it that I totally <laughs> guessed that? <laughs> Angela wow. Lansbury. It was a great show, but but uh, but uh, what was his name? But Mr. Cunningham, who was the cop on the show, awful accent, dude. Awful. Uh, Do you you remember full. the dude I'm talking about from right. from Happy Days? All right, last one. The bonus round. The bonus round. Born in 1923, 1923, Bob Barker, dead or alive? He's still around, isn't he? He's alive. I need a confirmed. Yes, he's alive. Better. He is still alive. Yeah. Which is, that's nuts, man. Can you imagine if that? See, I wonder what condition he's in. But, I mean, what condition my condition is in. I, uh, you, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the guy, I mean, he very gracefully and very studifully, is that a word, uh, stepped down from his position on The Price is Right. I thought the way that they went about identifying a, a new host for the show was first-rate professional way to go about it. Um, he went out on his own terms. And he did, and I think he really was. It was he was honest with himself. What was like he, what was the uh, the sign off that he always did after every episode of Price is Right? Oh, it's get your get your pet get your your pet spayed and neutered. That's right. <laughs> you know, which I mean is still the thing is the same thing now. I mean, what's his name there? Uh, I swear Drew to Carey. God, every Jim Drew Carey. I mean, every time we do this show, my mind becomes just like a void. I can never remember people's names. Oh, by the way, as we were, as we were, as we were brought, uh, our, our friend Nace Keo 
uh, reminded, uh, reminded you from, from last week's show. Um, it was Cliff Burton. Yes. The bass player from Metallica. (laughs) Um, I was going to wait, but then he spoiled it. He texted us and I was like, ah, but no, um, yeah, it's it, like uh, Drew Carey still does, and I think that I think that they made Drew Carey deciding to do that to take on that gig was he's great at it. He's awesome. I I think that he totally does, you know. At, and I I don't think that he necessarily got up there with the idea that he was going to have to somehow imitate Bob Barker, but he in the spirit of the show, he does a great job, sort of like managing the stage and all that stuff. Well, and um, you know the the best part is that. Bob Barker lives on through the microphone that he uses. Yes. Yeah. Because he yes. still uses that, that little skinny microphone. I know. Like with the little tiny, two, like the little two yep. feet long. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, yes. That's, Dude, that's, n- that's, no, that's nobody that's uses it. that. He's the only one. Nobody else uses that, Mike. I mean, think about all of the shows that are like the game shows that are on TV, right? How many of those game show hosts actually hold a microphone? Yeah, not, none of them. I wonder if that microphone even works. I wonder if he just holds it. It's like a prop. Well, it's it's as fake as his glasses. Well, yes. I mean, and but I will say he he did a great job cutting all that weight too. Yeah, Drew Carey because he what was the 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 Drew Carey show? Was that what it was called? That Drew show Carey that show, dude. It was a great show. Great show. Um, I used to think that that girl that was on the show was like super hot, and she ended up on. Uh, Scrubs, which is another incredibly hilarious show. I love that show. Which girl um, are we talking about? You remember on Scrubs, you had the guy who was the doctor. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff that he's been in. Actually, he was in Platoon. Um, but he was the he was the doctor who was always he'd always give everybody a hard time. Yeah, he had like he had like curly blonde hair, sort of like you know fit guy, and he was an actual doctor. So with all the all the uh, uh, residents, yeah, the, the brunette, yeah, the, his wife, yeah, the who brunette. was who was, you remember his wife? Yep. Like the, his wife was always like she was a battle axe. She but basically like had his balls in her purse. Um. But yeah, she like when she was on the Drew Carey show, she was even better looking, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. But my point is, is that it's like, dude, you think about how big he was and then like, you know, he lost all that weight, became the host of the show, but you don't see anybody on, you don't see game show hosts holding microphones anymore. I mean, they're, they're, even if they're, even if it's, what's his name? The dude who screwed up the beauty pageant thing from family feud now. Oh yeah. No. Well, but that, he He doesn't hold a mic. Richard Dawson never like held a microphone during, uh, family feud. No, no, I don't think so. No, Richard Dawson, that dog, <laughs> dog. He, no, he was that... he. It was the darker, the darker side of Dawson mm-hmm. on The Running Man. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Like I was like, oh, Dude, this, this guy. It was got perfect. Dark. Dude, it was perfect though. Like they at that time, you know as well as I do that at that time, Family Feud was an incredibly popular game show. And they need this guy to be, you know, they need a guy who, who's going to be the host of The Running Man. The, you know, this, this crazy game show. Um, of the future. Of the future. And then the crazy thing was, the, like, all the, all the characters that they had 
You remember? They had oh, all yeah. the characters who would go out hunting the people down. Like... Sub-Zero is yes! now Zero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What was the well, opera guy's name? It wasn't oh, Opera Man, either. but you know. No, what I mean? like... It wasn't Opera Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, I'm sure Nace is going to correct us later. Yes. And okay. then, and then they had Jesse Ventura, and like they bring him out of retirement. Like they're trying oh, to get yeah. anybody that's gonna gonna beat Arnold. Arnold, yeah, Arnold. man. Oh, dude, it was back when dude Arnold Schwarzenegger back at that time was in his prime. In his prime, dude. The movies that he was putting out. I mean, Eight, everything like, from dude Predator. Predator, you're oh. an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> Run to the chopper, dude! Running Man, uh, Predator, uh, uh, what? I'm Total Recall. Total Recall. Total Recall, dude! Awesome. I'm movie. Not cl- <laughs> get your get your ass to Mars, dude! Freaking Commando! You remember that movie? Oh yeah. Yes. Dude, everybody knows that the 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 two people on Contra were. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yep. that's Contra. But dude, he was uh, he was, and uh, you know, he did uh, uh, True Lies. Yeah, but they were, they were all bad. They're all bad. They're all bad. But dude, he's free, but dude, that was back when Jamie Lee Curtis was a fox. Oh, you know, she did that. Uh, she did that. The dance, the, the dance in the movie. Like goes, every every dude in the movie theater was like swing. <laughs> Do it, do it, slow. do the dad, do it, do it slow, uh, do it, do it, do it, do it oh my yeah, <laughs> oh my goodness, dude, Tia, Tia career, career is in it too, yep, she was the art dealer, terrorist, yeah, yep, after, and that was after Wayne's World, that's how she got her start, but yeah, oh my goodness gracious, Wayne's World. <laughs> I just threw out that. I just threw out that swing reference, and it just popped yeah. right back yeah. around. It did. It did. Weird, yeah. dude. That was, and that I will tell you that that is a movie. That one right there is one that I made sure that my kids watched when they were teenagers. I was like, you have because I remember Jennifer and I would talk about it. You know, we would be talking about like Wayne's World or whatever. And they're like, what? I'm like, dude, you have to watch yeah, this movie. That was in high school for me. That was that was vocabulary. Absolutely. That was in the vocabulary, the things that occurred, you know, in that in that show, part of vocabulary for high school. Dude, when they were doing the freaking like with in the movie when they the whole Bohemian Rhapsody thing. Oh yeah. How many talent shows featured people doing that for the talent show? And 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 I mean I wasn't in the talent show, but my friends and I would still do it. We'd be driving down the street freaking headbanging to freaking you know Bohemian Rhapsody. It was ridiculous. Because that's just what you did. That was the first. What... Um, that was the first time I was excited about Queen. I had heard Queen music before. Oh yeah. Through my older brothers and sisters, right? Yep. Um, sure. And you know, you heard another one bites the dust. Like I like. I think that's the that might be the first Queen song. Another one bites the dust that I. I remember from my childhood really? of listening to was another one bites the dust. I think the first one for me, um, I would probably say that the first one for me was probably actually Radio Gaga. 
I remember MTV and them having the actual video. Have you ever seen the video for Radio Gaga? Oh, yeah. All we hear is Radio Gaga. Yep. Um, so, and you're right. There was, because right around that same time was Radio Gaga, um, Another One Bites the Dust, uh, and what was the other one? Uh, Under Pressure. All like those, all three of those. And it was kind of crazy, man, because I will tell you for me, one of my favorite live albums ever is Queen Live in Wembley in 80, what is it, 86? It's just one of the, I have the DVD that I'm, and I've seen it dozens and dozens of times. It is just, um, and I think it's amazing. And I think that one of the things that's even more truly amazing about it is after watching that movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, and realizing, because I did not know, that by the time they had done that Wembley show, that Freddie was already sick. And that he had already told the guys in the band that he was sick. Um, and you could hear moments in the show where his voice sort of is cracking. Um, but, dude, just watching him live, I mean, nobody... Maybe not nobody, but there's in a, in a class all his own of, of being able to work a stage. I mean, Freddie Mercury just working a stage live was just and his rapport with the audience. I mean, this is Wembley Stadium. I think there were 80,000 fans in this place. Um, And just watching it live. I mean, some of the tunes that they're doing, man, like you ever heard the tune Lap of the Gods by Queen? N- not live, but oh. not. The, yeah. The live version is, I mean, the song, it's an incredible tune, but the live version, and they do it, they did it at that show. And that was all after Live Aid, you know, because what you saw in the movie, obviously, was that the, the rebirth, the Coleman, right? It was the rebirth of the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Because they, a lot of people really had written them off, and Freddie had, you know what? Some... I, I want to change the international rebirth of the band because in England, they were, you know, they were. They were still like the thing in England. Well, they were, but the thing is, is that a lot of people. He even there's a part of the show where he says uh, he's talking to the audience and he says, uh, you know, he says, you know, uh, you hear you you've heard a lot of people talking about how uh, about how Queen isn't going to continue on, and he and he looks at the audience and of course he's like, they're talking from here. And he's pointing at his ass, you know. And uh, he makes some remark in total classic Freddie fashion about how, you know, uh, they're going to stay together till they're, till they're bloody well dead and nobody can keep these four old queens apart. <laughs> it's just like, dude, it's so straight up Freddie Mercury, you know? Now, uh, I, did you talk about it before? But I watched the, the Adam Lambert. I haven't uh, seen it. Documentary with that that that's really good too. Like really, it's it's it's, it's worth a couple of hours of digging in okay. how they sat, like how they decided. You know they they had they had done a a Queen plus one before and then yeah with it, Paul Rogers from yeah with Paul Rogers uh, from Bad yep. Company and and then you know he was like okay I'm cool and then you know it's kind of like well we should. It was a, a chance meeting when when Adam Lambert was on uh, American Idol and they were the backing yeah. band. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You know, and then it turned into this whole thing. You know, it was awesome. 
Um, well, because that was back when, I mean, to be honest with you, that was back when, I mean, Jennifer and I actually back then used to watch American Idol. Um, and it's, I, I don't even think it's on TV anymore. It, it really got to this point of being no, ridiculous. No, it, it, it was. Um, it, it, there was a but season it, this year. Was there? I, I'm, I'm so, I don't even watch any of them anymore. I mean, it, there's. It shut down for a couple of years and then it's made a rebirth in the last. I mean, now they've got years. like the masked singer and they've, whatever. I can't even, I, 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 do you remember the film or do you remember the, um, the show Lost? Oh yeah. Dude, we just restarted watching that. That show to me, cause that show came out when we, it came on TV when Jennifer and I were living in Hawaii and that show in a crazy way almost redefined television writing for me because because dude television at that point had television at that point had become so saturated with reality tv all anybody wanted to do was reality tv and it was the whole american idol thing and just on and on and on and on and on and it was just so refreshing to have a show come out on television that was the product of just really good television writing, uh, really good characters, a really interesting storyline that kept you hooked. I mean, the only, I will say to this day, I think that the only thing that was any sort of downfall for Lost was the fact that they had, that they had been subject to that writer's strike. In like the, I think it was the last season that the show was on TV, and all these writers in Hollywood decided that they were going on strike, and because they went on strike, they ended up having to shorten the season. It was supposed to be like ten episodes, and it went down to like six, and they realized that obviously they were not going to be able to do another season, so basically they were like, okay, well, what things out of the storyline? can remain unanswered because there were all sorts of things that everybody wanted to know about. What is this place? What is happening with these people? Um, what is that thing? That's the, the black smokes. Thing. Why the fuck is there a goddamn polar bear in the middle of the yes. damn jungle? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like all of these crazy things, you know, where did everybody... come from? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I mean, these were all the questions everybody had. It was like, well, what, what is... And they realized that, well, some of these things you're just never going to get an answer to because we've had to cut out, like, four episodes of the season. And so we've had to basically, you know, abridge the storyline. And they did. And I remember getting to the end and being like, okay, I get, like, what the end is. But what you just said, JB, what you just said, I was like, but what about this? And what about that? <laughs> what oh, yeah, about all, I, well, you know, all I these things enjoy, like there's there's a couple of movies that are like that for me. Uh, one is what did Bill Murray say at the end of Lost in Translation to uh, she's Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, what did he say? What did he whisper in her ear? Right? Oh, geez. like yeah. or what's what's in the box at Pulp Fiction? Oh, I know that is a like, big question. 
Like, that's been in, a question for years and years. Of course, what's in you know that like I I like that stuff. Like I like not knowing. Okay, you, you know it's funny. I actually the other day we were I was at work and all of a sudden, stuck in the middle with you came on the radio. Yes, and that freaking song, dude. I cannot hear that. I every time I have heard that song since probably nineteen ninety two. When Reservoir Dogs came out, yep. The every single freaking time I hear that song, all I can think about is that scene in Reservoir Dogs when that dude is just cutting that cop up. The dude who's the undercover police officer, and he just got that freaking razor man. Oh my god, it is just almost an unbearable freaking scene to watch. And the whole time that it's going on, that music is just, that song is just cranking in the background. Stuck in the middle with you, well, you know, and, whatever. And then I love, I love the fact that they had uh, Stephen Wright as the DJ. Yeah. For the Super Sounds the of soundtrack. the 70s. The, yeah, Super Sounds of the 70s, dude. It was a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like. Hey, here's a, here's a, here's, here's, here's a, a fact totem for you from the fact totem. Fact totem. Where did Stephen Wright go to college? Dude, I don't fucking watch. Like, yeah, there's no way I don't. <laughs> now, he went to Emerson College, same school that my mother and my brother went to. In uh, yeah, man. He used to have such a great freaking stand-up routine. He used it's to, like, just do that, that deadpan, you know? He's totally deadpan. He's like, sometimes I fill up the bathtub and I stand in there and turn on the shower and I pretend I'm in a sinking submarine. I like the... <laughs> That was the Partridge family. Doesn't somebody want to be wanted? Followed by Edison Lighthouse, Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. As Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s. Super Sounds of the 70s. (laughs) There's a great soundtrack, yeah. So what's what's the movie that, what's your go-to movie that you quote? Oh my goodness, dude. Because we, we have quoted some movies. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. m- like it, we, we quote a lot of movie quotes. And, like, you know, that, that's I'll what's... You, well, I think uh, there's a number of them. But I think that... What's your go-to? Uh, well, we were talking about... I mean, we were talking about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I'm quoting <laughs> that all the, all the time. Yeah. You know, and that's... And I quote that a lot with like Jennifer and the kids. Like I'll always pull stuff out from that. It's not for sale, Francis. Or um, is it? Is it situational? It is situational. I, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like there are certain quotes that, um, there are certain quotes that I can share, like with my brother. Uh, I'll tell you one of the movies that he and I quote. Is it? Is, are they quote codes? What do you mean? Like you, you'll say a quote, but you're really coding something to him. Uh, how do you mean coding? Like, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom, and then you quote something from a movie. Oh yeah, I mean it could be something like that. Like, what's funny is the other day, this over the weekend, my nephew, his son Cameron, had his graduation party. So he's a senior, you know, was, he was a senior this year. He obviously endured this whole COVID thing that's happened. And, you know, 
And I don't think that he's been too distraught about it, but I will, I, I give, and, I'll, and I'm giving public kudos to you, Andy, um, and Galen, you know, he and his wife, they really did a great job of really trying to make sure that this was still really special. You know, they, uh, they had invited, he was the captain, of the, he was the captain of the football team. Championship high school football team. Yeah, they won the high school championship this year. Um, so it was a bunch of the kids from the football team and their parents. And it was a cookout thing at this uh, campground that's literally, like, right up the road from where we live. Um, but it was funny because uh, my brother was texting me or something. And all of a sudden, my brother, he hits me with this quote. He's like, it's time to go dig up Dom. And that quote is from a movie called Fandango, which you would love. Fandango. Um, Fandango. It is one of my favorite movies of all time, man. It's uh, Kevin Costner, Judd Nelson, um, a couple other folks. Uh, basically, the story is these guys who, uh, it's like 1971, the Vietnam War is on, and they're graduating from University of Texas in Austin. And they supposedly made this pact that they buried this thing called Dom down on the U.S.-Mexico border. And they always made this pact that when the time would come that they would all have to part ways, that they would go back down, you know, that they would go back down to the border and they would dig up Dom. And so the movie is sort of about this adventure that they're having because it's the, they call themselves, they call it's like these four or five dudes. They call themselves the groovers, the groovers, the groovers. And so they, it's all about their adventure getting from Austin all the way down to the, the U S Mexico border. Um, excellent movie. It's really, it truly is a coming of age movie. Um, the soundtrack is amazing too. All sorts of Pat Metheny off of uh, Pat Metheny stuff off of As Wichita Falls, So Falls, Wichita Falls. Um, incredible stuff off that album that's all over the soundtrack for that movie, including uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John. Um, and a lot of great stuff too. Cream, bunch of crazy stuff. Because it's, it's, it's set in that time. You know, the late 60s, early 70s, this music was incredible. Um, but he hits me with that quote. It's time to go dig up Dom. And uh, so I hit him with this other quote that was from the movie as well. But it, it is situational. I mean, there's certain quotes that really stick with me. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, I think that I love uh, Apocalypse Now. Yes, Dude, there's classic. so many. There are so many incredible quotes from Apocalypse Now when uh, when Martin Sheen goes to meet the general at the beginning of the film and he's getting his he's receiving his new mission and uh, the general plays the recording of Colonel Kurtz out in the desert or out in the the jungle, you know. Uh, you can hear him talking, you know, whatever over these radio airwaves. And, uh, you know, he's talking about, uh, he's talking to, he's talking to, to Martin Sheen after they're done listening to this. 
And the, there's, there's two quotes in that little conversation that always stick with me. It's, uh, one is, uh, Abraham Lincoln talked about, uh, our, our better angels, uh, but good does not always triumph. Mm. And, and very obviously, Colonel Kurtz has gone insane. But that, it's, it's something to that effect. There's, but there's a, but there's a dark place in the heart of every man, and the 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 thing that Abraham Lincoln called our better angels does not always triumph, you know. And then he said he makes this remark where he's basically telling Martin Sheen that his mission is to go up the river and find Colonel Kurtz and kill him. Um, which for Martin Sheen, you know, if you, if anybody, anybody out there who's seen the movie, you know, Martin Sheen is really shook by this. I just use that term shook. You hear that? Did it totally. Yeah, there it is. Uh, and he's really, he's really, ups- he's, he's distraught about this because he's never had to actually like kill another American before. It's always been like a Vietnamese, whatever operative or something. Um, but when they're they're getting you know basically telling him what the mission is and uh you need and the general tells him you need to go and um oh what is it that he says to him you need to you need to to go and and uh you know like eliminate his command or something of that nature and the CIA guy that's sitting there the whole time in the co- in the conversation hands Martin Sheen a cigarette and says to him, discriminate with extreme prejudice. Yep, there it is. And I have that's, used that line so many times, man. <laughs> that's, that's the line. I need Discrim- you to dis- discriminate with extreme prejudice. Like, oh, man. Yeah. So anyway, now that that movie's got a million of them, dude. Freaking, you know, the characters, the fact that the fact that Lawrence Fishburne is in that movie is crazy. Have you ever seen? Actually, this is on the track of Apocalypse Now. Have you ever seen the 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 documentary um, Heart of Darkness? The no. making the making of Apocalypse Now. No. Oh, Jer- Jeremy, you have got to watch this, dude. Oh my, you want to talk about just some craziness, dude. They like all talking about how they filmed the movie in the Philippines and like their scenes, you know, like the big famous scene where like the, the choppers are coming in to attack the village and they start cranking right of the Valkyries by Wagner, you know, yeah. and they're trying to film this thing. But those helicopters that you see in the, in the scene are actually Philippine military helicopters the guys flying them were actually soldiers from the philippine military but at the same time they're filming this movie these soldiers are actually fighting sort of a civil conflict in mindanao against the marxist rebels down there so like who is it uh freaking the director director uh, francis ford coppola yep for for apocalypse now so they'd be filming and they're like okay cameras are rolling and they'd have the helicopters coming in they're like okay keep it rolling whatever and all of a sudden the helicopters just like fly away <laughs> cuz they'd get called away 
to like go on like some mission, like an actual mission to go fight these Marxists in the Philippines. Like, um, sorry, we had to go. Yeah, sorry, we're out. You know, and no, and no warning, no, no anything. They just leave, and the like. The movie guys are there. Like, where, where are they going? What's happening? You know, um, dude, Dennis Hopper in that movie. <laughs> it's a freaking trip, dude. He's a trip. You remember him? He's the oh, journalist yeah. who's up in Kurtz's Kurtz's camp. You know, he's like he's a warrior poet. He's a warrior poet, man. He's like he's like what? Is, what? Is, who's who? You know what are they gonna say? What are they gonna say that he's a a wise man? They're gonna say he was a a good man. I mean, bullshit, man. Who's gonna tell him? Me? Look at me. No. <laughs> Look at me. No. <laughs> Look at me. No. He's just all strung out, dude. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, my God. That movie is just too much. I actually own... I own the freaking... Uh, the ex- I actually own the extended version of that film, which, if you're going to watch the extended version, you got you to gotta strap in because it's like four hours long. But I will say about the extended version of the movie, if you have the if you have the heart to watch it, there's a lot of stuff that was cut out of the theatrical release of the film that really does help to like provide greater continuity to the story. Um, yeah, I, I always enjoyed watching like the true director's cut. I and and I'm glad that they were able to release some of the like this is the original vision of which I wanted yes. to have versus yeah. what the studio made allowed, the decision to allowed, like yeah. right allowed me to do right. So like I say, the heart of darkness thing is crazy though because like all those dudes like one of the big things that they talk about is the whole thing with uh, Marlon Brando. You know, when Marlon Brando sh- first of all this contract that he signed because they wanted him to to be in the movie. Dude, he got paid a fortune to be in that film. Um, and, like, he shows up, and they're thinking that they're going to get, like, they're, they're thinking they're going to get the Marlon Brando from, like, Heart Street, you know, or, or Car- what is it, Streetcar Named Desire, you know? That's what they think they're going to get. And the day he shows up at the airport, they go there to greet him, and he's, like, all fat. <laughs> He's like completely out of shape, and they're like, "It's like uh, uh, this is what we paid for, dude." He's supposed to be a special forces colonel. Like, how in the world are we going to freaking depict? Them? Which is why, when you see the film, he's always filmed in shadow. He's always like in these dark shadows. You only sort of see like a silhouette or see like a a profile of his face. It's always in some sort of dark light. And he's always wearing like these sort of baggy clothes and everything because they were just like, we have to hide him. We can't actually show him off because he just doesn't look the part at all. Um, and they would do this stuff where like when they were filming him and he would just be riffing. They would have the cameras rolling and they're like, just talk, just talk. And he's like just talking about all this random stuff, you know, the war and blah, 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 blah. And, like, there's, in the documentary, you see these scenes where all of a sudden he's, like, all of a sudden he's just, like, talking. And then he just stops and he's, like, I can't think of anything else to talk about. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just 
done. You know, it's absolutely nuts, man. It's it's a it's a cool documentary. Anybody who's out there, if you're a fan of the film, which I think Apocalypse Now is probably in the top ten. Top for me, ten. It's top of, ten. Yes, one I mean, of the. I, I think it's top ten. If you loop, like, how are you counting the Godfathers? Are you counting the Godfathers? I just, you count them as one thing. One, I would, yeah, I, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, eh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, nothing. I mean, if you start Star Wars, you know what I mean. It's like, obviously, I mean, that's nine films plus all of the spinoffs. I mean, I, I, I would call that a genre, sort of. Um, but in terms of single films, definitely, definitely in a top ten. Um. Yeah. So. Hey, but for the folks out there, we know it's not Monday, but it's New Music Monday to us. Yeah. So it's, it's New Monday ish. It's New Monday. New Monday. New music. New Monday. New music. Um. So what do you got, man? So. It's like they produce new content like all the time, but it's a it's a band that I got turned on to uh, from a friend of mine named Nate Bissell. Shout out to Nate Bissell. Nate! Uh, when when I was in Newport, Rhode Island with him, and I was like, you know, he's driving me around. And I'm like, who is that? Oh, it's this really cool band called Scary Pockets. And so that was the uh, the impetus to like, all right, really digging the band. And they, they uh, they're from the brainchild of the guy who there's a, a, a now they're married. Um, Moose, uh, YouTube stars, and then he created he's the guy that actually he's the president and CEO of, of the website Patreon. Okay, have you ever heard of Patreon? No, it's like like artists use it all the time. Uh, you know, in the base call in the baseball card wor- world that, that I'm in, yeah, one of the artists, um, uh, you can he you can get access to like extra things and pay five bucks or lessons or whatever. It doesn't matter. Artists, musicians, you can get lessons, access to content. Sure. Um, and there's donations and all. So he started Patreon, but he also started scary pockets and he gets all these local LA based musicians and they create uh, really, in my opinion, really cool covers of very popular songs. And because, you know, we are on the Billy Joel kick yeah, um, they had recently released a version of Uptown Girl. Oh yeah, so it's a it's kind of like a funk it's like a funk version of Uptown right. Girl. Okay, uh, so I really enjoyed it. Check it out, Scary Pockets. Very cool, uh, Uptown Girl. Yeah, man, you got to put it put it on the page. I want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of you know, yeah, it's cool. I like I like the way they arrange so. No, that's neat. Yeah, my my new music Monday is a band that apparently has been around since about 2001, 2002, but I just became aware of them very recently. Um, my brother chair. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that ridiculous song that they had back in the day. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> but no, my brother's a huge fan. And he sort of turned me on to him is a band called Volbeat. Oh, I've you ever heard of Vol? You ever heard of Volbeat? No. Volbeat is a Danish hard rock, heavy metal 
rockabilly band. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's they, just throw everything in a pot. It's really and a lot of the stuff because <laughs> I've, I've I I I initially had heard this one single uh, by them that I will I'll, I'll you know share on the um, I'll share on the page. Uh, but the ban- the single that I had heard was um, a Warrior's Call, which is a really sort of heavy metal tune. But what is cool about it is that they actually are singing this song about this guy who was a Danish Viking. Yes. So it's all about this guy. You know, I can't remember his name. I probably couldn't even pronounce it. But um, no, it really is an interesting combination, man. Because when you listen to the stuff again, some of it's. I'm trying to wrap my head around the rockabilly thing, though. Well, and and it is sort of that, (laughs) but then but some of it has a really strong, almost rock pop hook to it in a big way. Um, Because I will tell you that I have visited Iceland and I have seen. The scream. I would almost. I can't. The heavy metal bands of Iceland. I have. I have gone to well, live shows of that. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know about the. I don't know about the Icelandic metal bands. Well, but, we're, I mean, but if we're talking about the land of ice and snow, well, well it's it's <laughs> they're they're Danish, so they're from Denmark. Yeah, um, still. same thing. You know, that's where many of the Vikings came from, obviously. Um but it's 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 like I say, the music is really cool. They actually have they went on tour a number of years ago. They opened up for Metallica. What? Uh, yeah, on one of their big like their last big world world tour, I think. Uh, they had opened up a festival in in Denmark that had the headliner was Megadeth. Um, and who was the other band that was there? I can't remember who it was. But yeah, they like they're huge over there, and are sort of like uh, for a number of years now have been sort of uh, you know uh, you're on you've got them on you, if you're a huge if you're a huge hard rock metal act from the states that's going over there to do some touring in Europe, Volbeat apparently is like the band you've got on speed dial because they'll come and open like do be like your opening act on these tours and stuff so. It's actually pretty cool stuff. Again, I mean, I've, I, when I initially heard them, I was like, oh, man, it's like pretty heavy, you know, heavy metal stuff. But then, you know, you listen to a lot more of their material and a lot of it is actually very, is very hooky. Um, and it is neat how they sort of incorporate sort of the rockabilly thing into what they're doing. So I'll share the video uh, for this, uh, this tune, A Warrior's Call, about this, this Viking. It's 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 entertaining, dude. It's very entertaining. So that's my contribution for the week. Yeah, Volbeat, man. So, Volbeat. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. I I love stuff like that, man. Like totally. Yeah, man. Yeah. And and to our listeners, hey, look, you know, one of the one of the things that really opened my ears is that when I was stationed in Italy, um, we all the musicians in the band. There was like thirty of us pulled all of our cds together and one man mark horn awesome dude um like downloaded to his computer and and categorized all those cds right wow dude that's a project yeah dang but, and it ended up at that time being like 500 gigabytes of music 
Yeah, I can imagine. And so then we would just bring him a hard drive, you know? Yep. And then, and, and there were lots of, like, he involved all of us, like, all right, do we put, is it the Beatles or Beatles and then comma the, you know, like we categorize all this stuff. Sure. But when you have, you know, over 80,000 records. Like, yeah, that's, you know, like that was more than a record store at the time. Right. Sure. And so then it was like, you know, like, all right, well, I'm just going to listen to stuff I've never heard of before. Right. And then, sure. you know, and or you could go back and like, okay, how did this evolve to from punk to grunge, you know? Oh, yeah. And all the influences. It's amazing. No, it is. I mean, like, it's... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's been one of the things that has always interested me is sort of when we talk about musicology um, and when we talk about that, just meaning the connections between all these various things for folks out there who are listening to the show, you remember if you've ever seen the film school of rock and you see this, there's this scene where um, Jack black, the main character is in front of the kids in the school. They're in the classroom and he's got this huge, um tree yeah it's like a tree rock and like roll a, like a, a flow chart of rock and roll where he's pointing out like all these different genres and how these genres are connected and it's it's the truth i mean i've been having this conversation with uh this continuing conversation with the guys in, in my band here about um the idea that nothing's original everything is borrowed we borrow everything um, and that's not to say that nothing's original per se, because a lot of things are, unfortunately, for the mainstream listener out there, a lot of people don't want to hear new things. They want to hear something that they're familiar with. Um, but the point simply being that we were listening to a song by ELO called When I Was a Boy. And I don't know if you have you ever heard this song? Yeah. When I Was a Boy by ELO. And it really speaks to me because that's really how I was. I mean, the base of the song is about a kid who grows up and all he wants to do is play rock and roll. That's what he wants to do with his life. And, you know, he dedicates all of his time and his efforts to learning how to play his instrument and all that sort of thing. But the music for the song is very Beatlesque, very Beatlesque. I mean, the, the, the treatments that they're using, the little hooks that they have in the melodies, you're like, oh my goodness, that's straight up Beatles, which is fine. I mean, it's a beautiful tune. It's a great song and it speaks to me. And it's okay to borrow these things. And like you say, these things are all connected anyway. I mean, guys like ELO, who were their influences back in the early 70s? There weren't a whole heck of a lot to choose from. I mean, seeing as how the Beatles uh, stepped out in what nineteen sixty four. Yeah, they were only they... a band, real band, in like for four years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, but yeah, no, and I can imagine the same, same idea when you're, you know, you've got this huge collection of albums and artists. You sort of are drawing these connections between all of them, and, and realizing. And... Oh, and, you know, realizing that we're talking about, like, the pop era, but, like, just, you know, it was literally everything. And when I say 80,000 albums, um, every genre. Jazz, sure. Class, I can imagine. Or, you know, yep. Yanni. 
You know, what I mean? like yeah, yeah, dude. Like you know, and, and I would I would say for you know for the uninitiated, um, like start with blues and then go to the Rolling Stones and see yes. like like yep, you know, <laughs> like yes. No, I that, think that there's there's a lot of a lot of young players out that, there, man. That's like the most obvious. Yes, to me is like blues and Rolling Stones, Chicago blues specifically, and Rolling Stones, Muddy Waters and Rolling Stones. They were a cover band when they first came out. They were bringing yeah. American music to the British, and they did mostly uh, covers. And then there's right. the whole thing with Led Zeppelin and blues sure. and like covering. You know what I mean? No, absolutely, so, yeah. and that's what and that's what a lot of those a lot of those early bands in in Britain, part of that British wave, um, the British invasion. You know, those bands originally were bands that were playing like they were playing like old muddy water stuff. Yep. That everybody wanted to be. I mean, you talk to, talk to Eric, listen to interviews with Eric Clapton, and listen to him talk about when he first started playing guitar. I mean, he just wanted to play like Muddy Waters. He wanted to be a true blues guitarist, bluesman. Yeah, and it and, and it eventually became it, it turned into his own thing. And I mean, you're talking about a guy who originally was playing, you know, uh, you know, with these bands, these these British pop bands. Um, you know, what is it, the Yardbirds or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it's. Which I mean, and Zeppelin grew out of the Yardbirds. They became the new Yardbirds before because, they were Zeppelin. Because because Jimmy Page. Yeah, because everybody quit the band except for Jimmy Page, and he had a contract he had to uphold. So he hired a bunch of he hired three dudes that nobody knew. <laughs> so, but anyway, hey, uh, for the folks who are out there taking out the you know taking in the show, uh, thanks for tuning in and. Uh, you know, definitely jump on our page on Facebook and, uh, you know, give us any, any feedback. We really appreciate anything that you guys have for us. Um, I'd be interested to hear, hear some, uh, maybe some folks have some ideas of uh, some movies that they like to draw some quotes from. That could be kind of cool. And so, uh, I will say I'm in talks with another Chicago radio legend. Oh, okay, cool. Very cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so like we always say, you know, tell your family, tell your friends. And uh, Thursday we'll be on uh, putting another uh, putting another program together. It'll be what's the last thing you've seen on YouTube. And for everybody who's out there, if we have your contact information, make sure you keep your head on a swivel because you never know. The text message of destiny. Text message of destiny. It might be coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. Be good.